Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of Al Day's Roundtable of One podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Here's Al Day. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of the Roundtable of One podcast. I'm your host, Aldi, and today we're talking about the problem with Taron Malakos. Let me guide you through it. Now, when I say the problem with Taron Malakos, I really use him as a bit of an example about where Swiggle characters are going, something that CG's doing, and some of the kind of the... Shall I say some of the fast and loose stuff that's going on at the moment and how it's helping me kind of maybe not be as connected to the characters as I once was. So during this podcast, I'm going to tell you my problem with Taron Malakos and one or two of the other characters that have come recently to the game and what that's kind of doing to me and that some of the decisions that I'm trying to kind of make now on where I go with my roster. But let's start with the obvious one. The canon one. Now, let me take you back when I was a little sandfly. Now, I know this game is about using your characters and playing with them, and it's on a hollow table, so it doesn't need to be realistic. And I know that, you know, when I was young, you know what my favourite Star Wars character was? The one that I had most of was the Gamorrean Guard. I used to love the Gamorrean Guard. And when I was collecting the, the figures, I had six Gamorrean guards, all identical. And I used to use the Gamorrean guards everywhere. You know, they would be guarding the Emperor in the Emperor's throne room. They would be guarding the, uh, the base on Endor. They'd be storming the Millennium Falcon, trying to get Han and Chewie. But literally everything that I ever did in the game was perpetrated on the dark side by the Gamorrean Guard army. Now, all of them were identical because there was only ever one Gamorrean Guard, but I understand there's a make-believe to this game. I understand that it's not all canon and it has to be absolutely perfect, but I do have a problem with Taron Malakos. But let me talk more about my Gamorrean Guard fetish, you know. I loved it. Return of the Jedi was one of the films that I put one of the first ever films maybe I saw on the big screen and it really kind of set in with me now and a character or a group of characters that are really only in that film for a very very short period of time and actually one that you're probably not meant to take away. You're probably meant to come out of Return of the Jedi thinking about Ewoks um, but no I was obsessed by Gamorrean guards and I used to use them, in, like I said, in every single scenario. But you know what I never did with them? I never had them teaming up with the light side. I never had them piloting the Millennium Falcon in an assault on the Death Star. I never had them, you know, working with the Ewoks to bring down the evil empire. The Gamorrean guards were always on the dark side or the 
the bounty hunter side or the Jabba side. They were never with the rebels or the resistance or, you know, they, 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 they never guarded Yoda. Um, I was at least, even as somebody that was that young, I was able to identify the difference between a character who was on the light side and a character who was on the dark side. And that's my first problem with Taron Malakos. Now, we're going to have to give a little bit of a spoilers here for Jedi Fallen Order. We're going to have to talk a little bit about the game, but Taron Malakos is a character. Yes, he was originally a Jedi Master, but he really fell to the dark side. Um, and essentially in that game, he is the baddie. He is the main protagonist of sorts of the film. And the film, the, the, the game. Now, therefore, I, I don't understand why the design team for Taron Malakos is led by Seer. Now, Seer is the archetypal Jedi. You know, in the second, goes on to run the Jedi archive. She's Jedi through and through. There was, there's no chance, there's absolutely no chance inside the canon of that character that he would ever be led by Seer Junda, or indeed any Jedi at all. Um, absolutely none at all. Um, so, as I come back to my, even as a child, I would never put a Gamorrean guard protecting Yoda. I don't see in this game, I, it really breaks my understanding of the game or understanding of the character to take that character who, let's, I mean, when I say my problem with Taron Malakos, I really love the character. I think his story, his arc, his association with the Knight Brothers is a really, really strong, powerful story. But it has nothing at all to be do to be led with Seer Junda. Um, and it doesn't make any sense. It just, yeah, it, that's the, the, one of the biggest problems. Well, one of the problems I have with, with Tanner Malakos it's just his position in the team that he's suggested to be in. It doesn't make sense. Now, Tara Malakos was a loner. You know, when they were designing his kit, he should have been a, a loner. He should have been... You look at Tara Malakos, huge association with the Knight Brothers, right? Huge association with the that sort of Dathomir. Now, why on earth... Did Taron Malakos not just get the Savage Opress Omicron and become a solo character? Taron Malakos should really in this game be a, another Wampa type character and then it would have made a lot more sense. But what doesn't make sense is putting them in this team. Now the team he's kind of, he's ended up in and well, I see ended up in, now let me get me go wrong. I, 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 there's a difference when CG launch a character and they expect one team, but due to the intelligence of the community or other people around, people find different ways or different places to put the character. They actually designed this team to be led by Seer. Normally, what Cal Kestis probably in there? Just all your Ufus. Cal Kestis to be in there. Um. Taran Malakos to be in there. Who would be the other two? Probably Fulcrum and KRU. 
Now, let's break that team down, right? Okay, so not only do I have Tara Malakos, who hated Seer Junda, would have done everything to try and stop Cal Kestis. Now, let's accept the fact that those three, at least they're from the same time frame. KRU. KRU was born, but about 20 years after Tara Malakos dies. Like, they're not even coexisting. I mean, you can say that Fulcrum kind of coexisted a little bit. But KRU didn't even exist. Um, and yet, that's the kind of design team that they threw out even from the start. So when they were sitting there drawing it up on the board, they went, right, we'll go Seer, we'll go Cal, we'll go Malakos, we'll go KRU, and we'll go Fulcrum. And not one person in that team went, you're going to put Kylo Ren unmasked under Seer. I don't get it. I've lost it. You know, like, like, okay, you know, I don't understand. And these are the teams, and this is the problem I have. When I see a character go into a team like that, that canonically makes no sense. It makes as much sense as me having Gamorrean guards um, protecting Yoda, right? I look at it and go, hang on, if a five-year-old Aldi can tell the difference between light side, dark side, and who's kind of on whose side... It's very, very hard to pick up Star Wars Galaxy Heroes and have these kind of weirdly mixed teams that really would have made no sense. Um, and that kind of, it breaks that contract with the game. It, it breaks that, oh God, here's my Rebels going up against the First Order or this or that. It's like, here's my patchwork quilt. Now, don't get me wrong, I think CG have done an incredible job trying to knit all these new characters in and trying to kind of balance the game. But I really think in recently, especially with people like Tara Malikos, they've really struggled to find a place for them in the game. He really should have been a Knight Brother leader, or probably more so just a solo character. Since you're listening to this podcast episode, remember to follow and maybe tell a friend. Let's get back to Alde. Should we talk about the other problem I have with Tara Malakos? Now, I will say, I did out... Okay, so I did outlay, outline probably the Ufu team of Tara Malakos. He can be used other places. Now, he'll work in a Lord Vader, he'll work in various places. So I'm not saying that that's the only place I'm using him. I'm only saying that that's essentially where he's kind of been designed and targeted. So again, whereas the community is incredible, finds different places. And I do think that in many years' time, when this game is still going strong, I do think we'll probably be using Tara Malakos somewhere else in the game. He does have quite utility in his kit, therefore he's going to find himself on any Ufu team, and he will add value there. But my issue is more where he's currently designed. My other problem with Tara Malakos, well, it's kind of, this is two problems, but Tara Malakos is designed to be used and has his omis for GAC. Now, this is something that um, I'm noticing more and more with CG. They are launching characters who are actually single game mode um, targeted. 
Doesn't mean they're terrible elsewhere, but they have a lot of utility in one single game mode. Um, you've had them with some of the TW launch characters, you've had them with raid omies, um, and you've had them with ones with GAC viability or GOC omies. Tyrant Malakos uh, designed to work very well in GAC. Now, don't get me wrong, GAC is probably the game mode that a lot of us enjoy the most. It's the one that we probably kind of is streamed the most and people enjoy watching the most. But it is a weird game mode. It's a game mode where no matter how much you win or lose, you kind of end up at 6 and 6. Or five and seven. No one in this game mode has a hundred percent win rate or a three hundred winning streak. At most, people get to nine, ten in a row. Then they maybe lose one or two, and they'll probably lose three in a row. We've all had it. It's just the way the matchmaking works and the way that the skill rating works in particular. And that means that GAC actually gives everybody the same rewards. You can be the world's best GAC person and the world's worst GAC person. Yes, they're slightly different depending on what kyber you're in or what level, bronzium, chromium, wherever you are, there can be slight differences. But essentially, you're not able to boost your crystal or resource income by investing in GAC characters. They just don't make a difference. And that's where the weird thing comes because Tara Malakos needs has three, maybe doesn't need, but he has three GAC Omicrons. Omicrons probably being the most valuable thing in the game at the moment. Um, and on top of that, you also have the Zetas as well. So You've got this character who's needing this huge, huge, huge investment also on Chirotex and all the other things you need in the game to even get him up to relics and all the relics you need. When you get him there, he's then needing these three Omicrons or some of them. Um, and the weird thing is, because even unlocking him and giving him those Omicrons, you're not making him any more, you're not getting any more crystals in return. So that entire investment is really not delivering you a return that you could probably do if you actually took that Omicron and put it on a raid character in the new raid. And that's where it's kind of weird. So it's got to the point where people like Tara Malakos are entirely skippable as characters. And I know everyone will say, oh God, no, if I don't have Tyron Malakos, I don't have a Seer team, and therefore I must have a Seer team, and I must have this, and I must have that. But essentially, one of the problems I find is actually when you get something like Tyron Malakos, you can actually make a decision to leave that character at gear one, level one, and not ever bother putting the Omicrons, the Chirotex, anything on them. Because maybe you don't have Seer, Maybe you're not investing in team. Maybe it's just you've got so much in offense, this isn't going to make that much of a difference. So I really think that what CG are doing with these single game mode targeted characters 
is actually allowing the individual player to skip them. To have a look at that character and to have a look at the game mode that they are destined for and say, is that a game mode that I actually have an investment in? Is that one I enjoy? Is it one I, I see as needing to spend this resources? Very similar at the moment with the current Conquest with the new Moff Gideon character as well. I don't think I'll put anything on the new Moff Gideon. Uh, I will certainly wait to see his raid viability. Um, but I don't think I'm going to kind of progress him for TW. He doesn't look to be... He doesn't look to be meta-defining, meta-destroying. Um, you're able to use him in the current conquest, and yet I've yet to find a team even when he manages to get a goal. I'm finding that my entire team has killed the other team before he, he even gets a goal. Um, I'm sure when we get him in our hands and we get him modded, he'll prove to be better. But I'm going to look at that, and I'm going to say I'll probably leave him at gear 1, level 1, until I find a use that he's going to actually return me a good resource, you know, and I'll want to see him working. So I think what I'm kind of talking with is the problem now is that these new characters, and a lot of them are coming from Conquest, you're unlocking them, but you shouldn't immediately pile resources into them. Just have a little bit of a step back. Take that extra... Take that extra week or two just to see how the character beds in. See what actually is needed in that character. And, and in many ways, just decide to skip it completely. Maybe don't, maybe get the character shards, maybe unlock the character, maybe do the conquest. But certainly don't just immediately pile it up to Relic 7 and trust that you're definitely going to get re returns from it. Because um, I think in many cases, some of the some of them, there's question marks there, shall I say. But talk about my third and final problem with Taran Malakos is, you know, everyone will jump down my throat and they'll say, no, he's a very, very good character. And I get this from that game mode. Now, one of the biggest issues we have, and especially with game mode targeted characters and maybe this is going a little bit more towards the new Moff Gideon and probably Moff Gideon is the real problem in this case maybe less so Taran Malakos Swoggle has some problems at the moment it has a lot of people maybe dissatisfied with how TW is a lot of people dissatisfied with maybe GAC and we have a new raid coming out we also have TB and we have various planets, TB is actually not in a bad state um, and they're able to keep flexing that so doing a great job especially in the return of the Empire one but for the other three the raid, TW and GAC we kind of expect that these might get a respray of sorts now whether those resprays will be extensive um, so let me talk GAC GAC engagement isn't been great recently it has been dropping off a lot of the higher accounts maybe aren't playing threes or aren't playing every round they're starting to drop down they're starting to get shuffled up into the mix and it's just causing a lot of mismatching 
Now, we did recently have an announcement about changing the way that the number of people in Kyber and the way the squishing works, so they're going to kind of adjust that. It is possible that that's part of a wider uh, program to change GAC, to improve GAC. Now, if they change GAC, we might find Taran Malakos to be infinitely more valuable. He could suddenly go up in value. One of the biggest differences or one of the issues we have at the moment in GAC is the quantity of attacking teams we have versus the number that are on defense. The balance, again, the balance will always keep falling out until CG finds a more sustainable solution rather than just lazily adding on another more couple. We'll just add a couple more defensive teams on. No, stop doing that. Find us a draft mode. Find us a mode where you're limited to 300,000 on defense or something. Get, find a way to do it. Find a way to do it to make it more of a chess match that's clever and more dependent on mods and less dependent on size of roster. But we'll talk about that in a whole other video and what I'll do with GAC and how I would change it. But my point is that if GAC changes, well, the value or the impact of Taran Malakos will change, as will his Omicrons. Similar with Moff Gideon, now everyone's working hard to unlock this new Moff Gideon at the moment, designed I think for TW. Now, if they are going to change the TW board again, which we people expect, because again, it has kind of fallen out of relevance and it's maybe not a, an enjoyed game mode by many. Um, they could change everything about TW. TW could suddenly pick up extra teams or extra zones or bonuses or anything, really. And again, we'll talk about TW in another video but or another podcast. I do think that it's very, very hard at the moment. And then maybe let me talk about the raid as well. This is probably what's most prevalent. We know a raid's coming, but we have no idea what the rewards are. We don't know how, how good certain characters will be. We know roughly the characters that are in there, almost the finalised list. But we don't really know the mechanics. So any single character on there that's listed as being in that raid, they could be hyper-valuable or they could be very unvaluable. You know, and that's where it's very, very hard for us at the moment to actually make a conscious decision whether some of these characters are worth any investment or whether they should be skipped. So... I think my main problem with Tara Malakos, or certainly CG's movement now to having game mode targeted game mode targeted characters, it's really that they're asking us to use very very high amounts of resources um, and stuff we've worked for for a long time on characters whose value. And it will long-term value for me is foggy. We don't really know. And yes, these characters on paper look good, but they're really not adding a lot of crystals into our account. That's my thoughts on Taran Malakos. I think when I unlock the Moff Gideon, I think I'll leave it at G1L1. Um, and 
we'll see what the next character is we get, but I would encourage everyone just to have that conscious thought. Think about where you're going to use it. Don't automatically start putting stuff on because nowadays you can very often find yourself putting somebody to GE10, putting 100 or 200 chirotechs onto them, and then realizing you have to put another two or 300 chirotechs onto them before they even become useful in the game. Save yourself that first one or two. Don't start taking them up. Leave them super low and see how they bed themselves in. That's how I feel about Taran Malakos. And hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully I've kind of talked about kind of how I feel about these people and how I'm kind of feeling about some of them at the moment and some of the things I've changed about the game. Until next time, thank you for listening and please tell your friends about the Roundtable One podcast. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Day's Roundtable of One podcast. Remember to follow or subscribe for next week.